This is Ethan Siegel, and welcome back to the Starts With a Bang podcast. The Big Bang Theory was arguably the greatest scientific idea of the 20th century. When we observed that the farther away a galaxy was from us, the faster it appeared to be moving away from us, that led us to Hubble's Law, the relationship between a galaxy's apparent recession velocity and its distance from us. What we were able to infer from that observation was that the universe was expanding. In the context of general relativity, space itself is a fabric, and so... If it were to be static and unchanging, that's not consistent with what we observe. For the fact that it has gravitational imperfections in it, galaxies in some places and voids in others, that tells us in order to have a stable existing universe, it needs to be either expanding or contracting. If the fabric of space is expanding today, if the universe is getting cooler, less dense, and sparser over time, that means earlier in the past, the universe was in a denser state, it was hotter, and it was expanding more rapidly. So if we go back to an early time, we would expect a hotter, denser, more uniform universe that has evolved into the stars, galaxies, and voids between them that we see today. If you think about the Big Bang as the first time we can describe the universe in this hot, dense, expanding state, then you might rightly wonder where it's headed into the future. The fate of the universe depends very delicately on the balance between the initial expansion and how rapid it was, and gravity and the attractive force from all the different components of matter and energy in the universe. And each component of energy has its own unique contribution to how gravitation functions in the expanding universe. For example, matter, normal matter, things made out of protons, neutrons, and electrons like you and I. As the universe expands, the density drops in proportion to how the volume expands. A universe that has twice as much volume will have only half of the matter density. A universe that has twice the size, or eight times the volume in our three-dimensional space, will have one-eighth of the matter density. On the other hand, radiation, which is similar to matter except has a wavelength to it, also has that wavelength stretched. So if radiation or photons, another form of energy, makes up the majority of the universe, you get an extra factor of two when your universe doubles in size. So a universe that's twice as large as it is today will have its matter density drop by one-eighth, but will have its radiation density drop by a factor of one-sixteenth. There are other possibilities as well, such as spatial curvature, cosmic strings, or energy inherent to the fabric of space itself. While curvature in strings will have its energy drop only in proportion to 1 over the size squared, so a universe twice as large would only have one quarter of the energy in either curvature or strings, 
energy inherent to space itself would not dilute at all as the universe expands. As you would expand that, you would simply make more and more space, all with the same amount of energy density. If you add all the different possibilities for energy together, and you set up a universe that has that race between the expansion and gravity at the moment of the Big Bang, there are three classic possibilities for what could come next. You can imagine a universe where gravitation is strong, but the expansion of the universe is too rapid initially. Even though gravity works to slow the expansion down, Perhaps it can never win. Perhaps the expansion is just too great. And on and on into the future, things get farther and farther and farther apart until eventually everything disappears. Or perhaps it's the other way, and gravitation is strong enough to overcome the initial expansion. Perhaps what happens is the expansion starts off rapidly, and gravitation not only slows it down, but stops the universe. At some maximum size, the expansion halts and even reverses and recollapses into a big crunch. Or perhaps the universe is somewhere right on the edge between those first two possibilities. Perhaps we live in a critical universe, and what winds up happening is if there were just one more atom in the universe, it would recollapse. But instead, the expansion rate asymptotes to zero, where things continue to expand farther and farther apart, but never recollapse. For a long time, cosmologists argued over which of these three possibilities was most likely. The data seemed to favor either the open universe or the critical universe possibility. But all of that changed in the late 1990s. Measurements of Type 1a supernovae, the most distant standard candle we had, or an object who we could measure its brightness properties and its light properties and infer how far away it actually had to be. Our greatest distance indicator taught us something completely unexpected. Instead of any of the three classic possibilities, what we observed is that the universe began to expand, slow down, and then all of a sudden the more distant galaxies and clusters appeared to speed up as they moved away from one another. In other words, the expansion of the universe didn't decrease over time, but rather decreased to a certain point, and then distant objects sped up once again. The expansion of the universe seemed to be accelerating. For a while, people wondered if this was just a problem, a systematic error in type 1a supernovae. And yet we have a modern suite of measurements with many distance indicators, including supernovae, but not limited to them, and also including gamma ray bursts and distant galaxies. We have a suite of measurements of large-scale structure in the universe, of how clusters form and how galaxies form on the largest scales. We have measurements measurements of baryon acoustic oscillations, which are remnants in the large-scale structure on hundreds of millions or even billions of light years, where we can infer the contributions of all different types of matter and energy. And we also have fluctuations in the cosmic microwave background, perhaps most accurately of all. These suite of measurements, completely independent of supernova observations, 
also point towards an accelerating universe, point towards a universe where matter, radiation, and curvature do not make up the majority of the energy present in our region of space and time. If we combine all the data from all of these different sources, we arrive at the modern picture of what's either known as the concordance or the lambda-CDM cosmology, which consists of 5% normal matter, or things like protons, neutrons, electrons, and all the other particles in the standard model. It has 27% dark matter, which is some mysterious type of matter that doesn't interact electromagnetically like the normal matter we're made up of does. It consists of about a tenth of a percent neutrinos and about a hundredth of a percent radiation. But the vast majority of energy in the universe is a new type of energy, dark energy, at 68%. With this new discovery came along a whole slew of new questions. What is dark energy? The first and simplest explanation would be that dark energy is simply energy intrinsic to space itself. It would be truly a cosmological constant, or something that you could simply write down as part of Einstein's equations, as the amount of energy inherent to space itself. It was thought for a long time, since this is not something we know how to compute in quantum field theories, that the amount of energy inherent to space would somehow cancel and come out to be exactly zero. And yet what we observe is a number that's much smaller than what we would have calculated if we had said it's not zero. We would have gotten something that was maybe 120 orders of magnitude larger than what we actually observe. But what we actually observe is that dark energy exists, and if it is energy inherent to space itself, it's only become important from our point of view as the matter density and the radiation density have dropped to their current levels. In other words, as the universe has expanded, dark energy was masked for the first six or seven billion years. And it's only in the last six billion years or so of our 13.8 billion year history that we've been able to observe it at all. In order to consider whether dark energy actually is this energy inherent to space itself or something else, we need a way to parameterize it. So what we say is that we're going to introduce a parameter that we call W, which is the relationship between the density of a matter component or an energy component and the pressure arising from a matter or energy component. For normal matter and dark matter, W is zero. For radiation, it's positive one-third. For strings or curvature of space, it would be negative one-third. And components normally go in increments of plus or minus one-third when it comes to W. When it turns out that we make these observations, what we've been able to constrain is that if we say dark energy is something with a constant W, what we measure, our best observations come from baryon acoustic oscillations through the BOSS survey as part of Sloan Digital Sky Survey and as part of the cosmic microwave background data, most precisely from Planck, we find that W is minus one plus or minus 0 0.08.
In other words, based on our best theoretical and observational clues that we have, dark energy truly looks like a cosmological constant, which would have W equals minus 1 exactly. But it's possible that it isn't exactly a constant. There are a few options. Dark energy could either weaken over time, or it could strengthen over time. It's possible that what we observe as W is either slightly more or slightly less than negative 1. Perhaps it's slightly more positive at only 0.95. Perhaps it's slightly more negative at negative 1.05. Or perhaps dark energy actually changes over time. That parameter W itself does not need to be exactly a constant. It could be getting smaller or larger over time. Dark energy that changed over time could give rise to a reversing recollapse scenario where the universe expanded apparently at an accelerating rate for some time and then the expansion appeared to slow down and eventually reversed itself leading to a big crunch after all. If W is more negative than minus 1, this could lead to a strengthening of dark energy over time, where smaller and smaller scales were eventually pushed apart. In this scenario, you would find that clusters of galaxies themselves would eventually become unbound. Stars on the outskirts of a galaxy would get flung apart. And in the final moments of the universe, planets would get ejected from a solar system, Atoms themselves would unbind, and the very fabric of space itself would be torn apart in a big rip. Or finally, there are other scenarios, such as a cyclic universe scenario, or even a rejuvenated scenario, where dark energy increases over time to such a high level that the energy of space becomes dense enough and high enough and hot enough that a new Big Bang emerges. All of these are possible, but none of them are going to be true unless dark energy is something different from energy inherent to space itself. To the best of our measurements, W, the equation of state of dark energy, is negative 1 exactly, with an uncertainty of only 8% on that. W prime, which is how we measure whether this W parameter appears to change or not, is completely consistent with 0 right now, although its constraints are less well established. Future missions, like the European Space Agency's Euclid mission, NASA's WFIRST satellite, which is slated to be the flagship mission of the 2020s, and the Large-Scale Synoptic Survey Telescope, the LSST, all of these will allow us to improve current constraints on W and W prime by another order of magnitude, by a whole factor of 10. If dark energy varies by as little as 1%, we should be able to detect that in the next decade. The leading theory at the present time is that dark energy is, in fact, consistent with a cosmological constant, has the same properties as energy inherent to space itself. But why does dark energy have those properties? Why do we have a universe that has a positive cosmological constant? At this point, all we have are ideas. When it comes to actual scientific truth, 
nobody knows. Perhaps whoever does finally uncover the mystery of dark energy, what it is and why it has the value it does, will not only win a Nobel Prize, but will be lauded as rightly the next Einstein. The Starts With a Bang podcast is made possible through the supporters through our Patreon campaign. I'd like to thank everyone donating at the $5 and above level, including Kevin Freehart, Bakhtiar, Robert J. Hansen, Kathy Reese, Thomas Sola, Denier, Igor Mitrofanov, Nick Tomlinson, Rafal Wojcik, Jason Beskansini, Pedro Texera, Brian Terry, Danny, Dennis Arnaud, Alexander Marius, Gaijin, Bob Wilson, Adam Rabung, Andrew Douglas, Weller Tractor Salvage, Richard Jousey, Amira Sosnick, Mark Bradshaw, Jim Cummings, Michael Mason, Sidney Atwoods, Christopher Wetmore, Willie Keplinger, Harry Plumley, John Mithot, Jose Enrique, Joe McFarland, Rachel Merritt, Nathan Hanna, Tomas All, Glenn McDavid, Nick McCann, Benjamin Turner, David Taschioni, Daniel Aitken, Radek Nesbida, Patrick Dennis, Chris Hilly, Joe Latone, DGE, John Seal, Fletch, Philip Radilovic, Nathan Heston, Braxton Thomason, Karen Garrison, and Zarko Opachik. Thanks everyone for listening, and I'll see you next time here on Starts with a Bang. 